0: I love Clarence. He's become a good friend of mine, and uh, you know, I never wanna, I never wanna forget those old songs. That is a good one. And I, I was looking out, and even some of them youth over there were singing that song. It just goes way back, you know. Whenever you think about it, now uh, they, they said uh, he, that the beginning of that song says, "I come to the garden alone." I said, "Well, you gonna sing it all by yourself, buddy? Because we're not, we're not gonna help you. Just let him sing it." Guys, I, I am excited to be back here. It feels like I haven't really preached in a. In a little while, I, I don't. I know Brother George Wilson came in. and Then we had the kids last week help us out. Uh, did any of you learn anything through the emojis? Did you learn anything? I had a lot of guys, got, a lot of people said, you know, I've never, never thought about the gospel like that. But it's, it's going to stick now. Every time you know you, you start put, punch, punching some of those emojis in on your texting, it's going to make you think about things. Uh, and that's what it's all about. But you know what? I hope more than anything is that it reminds our kids of what Jesus Christ done for them. That's what I hope that it does, and I just believe that that's what Jesus would do. Jesus was a guy that liked to use parables, and he used things that would compare your life to things that would literally mean a spiritual thing to you. And today I want to do the same thing. I was praying about my message this week, and, uh, and I was trying to figure out how I was going to tie it all together to help it make sense to you. Because some of you, sometimes you know where I'm coming from. Sometimes it makes absolutely no sense. And I really have a burden and a desire to really preach as clear as I possibly can so that you get it. I want you to get it. I want you to walk away from here and it not just be something that you heard at church, but it be something that you can apply to your life and live. That's what I want it to be. Galatians 5 is where we're going to be so if you have your Bible I want you to get there and while you're turning to Galatians chapter 5 uh, we're going to read the first six verses and I probably won't touch but one of them uh, and we'll we'll get into the rest of them as we move on but I was praying about this this week and I and I remembered an old story a, a story that a real true life story that happened to me uh, this past well not this past nothing this last uh, Thirty-some years of my life, I remember back whenever uh, my daddy was teaching me how to drive, and he had an old Dodge truck. It was a red Dodge truck that I, I I started learning how to drive in. It was actually, I think, the first truck that Jackie actually had to go out and drive in. I actually he got he got the truck. It looked more like a guy's thing. I ended up with a Buick Oldsmobile uh, for my first vehicle, so I, I kind of looked like a grandma driving around. But I got to train. Uh, in the old Dodge truck, I had a green. Daddy had a green Dodge truck, and he had this old red Dodge truck. And I remember going out in in the in the game reserve back whenever uh, you know it was really the game reserve before they blocked it all out and had uh, you know hunting clubs and all that kind of stuff. But how many of you remember the bridges back then? They looked like the old tram bridges where uh, the railroad tracks come across. No rails, no guards, no nothing. If you didn't stay on the straight and center. You're just going to go off in the ditch one way or the other. Now, it was really surprising to me that I'm driving down the road and did not know that this bridge was coming up. Uh, and Daddy didn't say anything. He didn't warn me or anything. And the reason he didn't warn me is because he didn't want me nervous about it, all the way worrying about it, and then, then just spazzing out once I got there, you know. And, and so I, I come around there, and, and I'm heading down this road, and, and I said, Daddy, what do I do? He said, Keep it in the middle. Well, that makes sense. Keep it in the middle. Guys, if you've never been across one of these bridges, it is a one, one at a time thing. There's, if anybody's coming on the other side, they've got to stop or you've got to stop. There's no, this is not two-way traffic here. It's one at a time. No guardrails, no nothing. It's just cross ties and you and Jesus. That's all that it is. One way, too much or the other, and you're going off in the road, in the ditch, and the thing is is that that ditch underneath that bridge is the same ditch on the left side as it is on the right, correct? Same ditch. Now the question is this, does it really matter what side you run off? You in the ditch either way, right? That is exactly what churches are. Listen to me. Listen to me. This illustration to me, and I hope that it makes as much sense to you, Is exactly the way churches are today. They say, "Do you believe in the sovereignty of God or the free will of man?" Well, yeah, I do. Well, do you believe in the eternity of the the, the security of the saints or the perseverance of the saints? Well, yeah, I do. You see what I mean? They take these doctrines and and certain churches and certain things, they will grab this one scripture without looking at the before and the after or the entire book that it was written in, and they'll build entire denominations and theologies and all this stuff on it, and they just get it all bent out of shape. Because if you don't believe it the way we believe it, then you're wrong. But on the other hand, if you don't believe it the way I believe it, then you're wrong. Right? You understand what I'm saying? Does it really matter? What side of the bridge you fall off on? You can go extreme in either direction. I never believe and I've never felt like Jesus has ever wanted us to go extreme to the left or extreme to the right. I believe that when you read the scriptures and you understand that the Bible is not a western book, it is an eastern book, and you look at the way the Bible was written to the people of the day that it was intended for, we have a clearer, the different things that are in the Bible, the different doctrines and the different ideas that are there in the Bible, It is easy for us to say, yeah, I believe in the sovereignty of God and, man, that is great and wonderful, but you keep studying it and then eventually you come down to the Scripture that talks about the free will of man. And if you are an extremist, you will throw the free will of man out the window and you will stick solely on the sovereignty of God and throw the other part of the Bible away. But that is not what the Word of God is intended for us to do. It is intended for us to grab up the free will of man, grab up the sovereignty of God, and say, where do I fit in the middle of that? The Bible teaches us different things so that we live in the tension right in between. Understand that? So if you can understand that, it'll make a lot more sense when we get into the Scriptures, okay? I want you to read with me Galatians 5. Let's begin reading in verse number 1. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Man, it is amazing how he takes a subject and uses it as a verb. It is for freedom that Christ has made you free. Stand firm then, and do not let your subjects be burdened again, yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. Mark my words, I, Paul, tell you that if you let yourselves be circumcised, Christ will be of no value to you at all. Again, I declare to every man who lets himself be circumcised that he is obligated to obey the whole law. You who are trying to be justified by the law have been alienated from Christ. You have fallen away from grace. That's one of those scriptures right there that everybody wants to run off with and just blow everything up over. Anyway, we'll we'll come back to that on another day. I probably won't even touch that. For therefore the Spirit we eagerly await by faith the righteousness for which we hope. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision has any value. The only thing that counts is what? Faith. Faith expressed through love. Faith. It says the only thing that counts is that you have faith expressing itself through love. If you have faith in Jesus Christ, faithfulness to God, and faith that God is who He says He is and that Jesus will do what He said He would do, Then you can make it through this this thing that everybody argues over all the time. But I want you to look back at verse number one. It is for what? Freedom that Christ has set you free. People fall into the ditch on one side or the other. And it doesn't matter which side of the ditch you fall in, friend. You really need to listen to what I'm telling you today. It makes no difference. Which side of the bridge you fall off on, you're in the same ditch. Okay? You can be an extremist over here to say that you live under the grace code of God and you can have grace so warped that it does not match grace at all. And then you can live over here on the legalistic side of things to where you can think that if if you don't follow every law, every decree, every rule, every regulation, that you will be so bound up by the law that you cannot live. You can choose which side you'd like to be on, but as my daddy taught me, he said, just keep it in the center. That's where I want to try to stay today, and I want to try to pull you up from whichever side of the ditch that you might be on, and let's see if we can get up here in the center. Are y'all okay with that? That's what I want to try to do. The Bible says there in verse 1 that for freedom, Christ has set us free. Paul is writing to a people who have taken a wrong road. They're on a road, uh, a salvation road that they think that is based upon human merit and human performance. It's a road that is lined with do's and do nots. And they're trying to get all this uh, figured out. These people of Galatia who Paul has preached to have been influenced by a bunch of Judaizers that have come in, these people that are law-abiding citizens or the the, the Mosaic law. And they want to follow every decree and they're trying to put this off on the people of Galatia that Paul has already preached freedom to, to help them understand that you can be free through the grace of God if you will accept Jesus Christ and have faith in Him. But does this word freedom mean that we are free to just live any way that we want to, or does it mean something else? That is the dilemma that we will try to cover today. Even though we are saved, we still have to struggle with the sinfulness of this world. And if you think that you don't, I believe that you're you're, you're blind to what's actually going on around us. You see, friends, today you need to understand that although you're saved, you still live in a world that is cursed. And as long as you live in this world, you will fight against the things that are for God. You will fight against them because Paul actually said the spirit of Antichrist is already alive in this world. And if you don't think that Antichrist is alive in this world today, why do you think that there's so much evil in this world today? Anti means not for. And there are plenty of things in this world that are not for God. They are for gods, but they're not for the holy Yahweh. They are not for Jesus Christ. And so you're going to fight for them. You're going to fight against them. That's why Paul, over and over and over again, talks about the struggle. He talks about fighting the good fight of faith that is set before you. Because if you're not willing to strap up and get in the ring and fight, you can sit out here on the outside and just be a spectator all you want. But the only one who gains the victory and the only one who will be rewarded in glory will be the one who chooses to fight the fight of faith. Anybody can do nothing. And we have a world full of people who choose to do nothing. A bunch of people who want to live under this umbrella of, oh, it's okay, God's fine. Okay. And I'm here today to tell you that there is a greater thing for you, a greater idea of this faithfulness and of this justification and of this grace that God wants to give you. In the midst of this scenario, there's a group of people who have fallen in the ditch because of their indulgence. And on the other side, we have these people who are so legalistic that they can't see the truth. And the point that I want to make to you today is that we must protect Christian freedom. If we do not protect Christian freedom, it will be snatched away from us. And listen to what I'm telling you. We live in a world today that wants to tell you all the laws and the do's and the don'ts of what it takes to be a Christian. Those are the people who who thrive on legalism. I was I was in that. I know what it's about. I was a person just this last week. I had to write a report uh, in my in one of my classes, and I and I had to face reality. I was balled up in legalism, and I was one of those people who would look at you, and I would find how that you were not a Christian. I could look at you, and I could tell you because of the way that you acted or the things that you'd done or what you wore, whatever it may be, and I could tell you that you were not a Christian. There was a man once upon a time that walked into the church, old-time guy. Now he walks into the church, and there's two little old ladies that are sitting right up on the very front row, and they've got their long hair, and it's rolled up in a bun. They weren't Pentecostal. They just wore their hair long. They felt that that's what they needed to do. A lot of people back in the olden days, even if they weren't uh, under the Pentecostal umbrella of, of denominationalism, they still believed that a woman should grow her hair out. Wash it with mayonnaise and rinse it with vinegar. I don't know what they did. But they, they felt like that. that's what they should have done. And this pastor, this guy walks in, and he is an evangelist. And he's, evangel- he's an evangelist at a church that I grew up in, at Grabout Road Church. This was years before uh, I went. Now, Sister Peggy could tell you exactly what it was because where you at, Sister Peggy, there she is, Brother Ketchell, her daddy, was the pastor. And this guy walks in, and he says, well... I see that you only got two safe people in your congregation. And Brother Ketchell put his arm around him. He said, the revival just ended. We'll see you later. And set the guy hopping. That is legalistic ideology. And there are people like that because of the way that you look or, or the way that you are portrayed to them that you're saved or not saved, you're on the road to to salvation or whatever it might be, however you want to claim it. But I was wrapped up in stuff like that. I had an idea of what things were supposed to be. And guys, I'm here to tell you that there's no freedom at all in me to do and how he wanted me to preach. I began to run into these people that were completely on the other side of the bridge. They weren't legalistic at all. In fact, they were so free that they could do any blasted thing that they wanted to and God was perfectly fine with it, such as. Well, they're drunkards. Well, alcohol is fine, and being drunk, that's okay. God's just going to overlook it. But yet, a sin's a sin, right? The Bible says if you broke one, you broke them all. A sin's a sin. There's no one bigger than the other in, you know, in, in the realm of glory, in the way God thinks. But to us, it is. Well, if one sin is just as good as the other, then God must be okay with me cheating on my wife. And there's those that were like that. They're like, hey, I can run around on her. (laughs) God's perfectly fine with it. Abraham had a couple of them. Do you see how far-fetched it gets? And whenever you live in that realm to where you are so legalistic that you can't see the truth, or you are so graceful and tolerant that you don't know the truth, there is no middle ground. And this is what Paul is trying to debunk. He's trying to get them to understand what freedom actually is. Verse 1 again, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. God wants a people, friend, that will help show him to the rest of the world. God wants a people that will reflect his character in the world. In a way to us to reflect this character of God, for us to be able to do this, we have to come to a clear understanding of what it means to be Christ-like, right? If we're going to show anybody else what God looks like, we've got to know how to, how to reflect His image. And the only way that you can reflect His image is by standing in front of Him. Because a mirror has never reflected anything that was not in its view. And if we're going to reflect God to the rest of the world, God's got to be here. He's got to be somewhere that we are and we've got to be paying attention to who he is and we've got to be acting the way that he wants us to act or do the things that he wants us to do. And I'm not not walking around on this road of works, salvation by works and all that. I'm I'm this guy that's saying, like Paul did, if you are saved, you show me a man that's saved, I'll show you a man that's got good works. Because he's he's not working in order to be saved, he's saved in order that he can work. And he can do for other people. If we want to talk about working to be saved, then me preaching up here all the time and preaching to any of you, I'm just working for salvation because I'm just working up here. I'm, I'm breaking a sweat. I'm working. You, you get what I'm saying? That's not what he wants. That's not what it's supposed to be at all. You see, remember the, the bridge crossing the ditch. It doesn't matter which side you fall off of. So many people run off one side or the other. But people say, "Because, Brother Joy, because I'm free in Christ and eternally secure, I can do what I want, when I want, where I want. And it doesn't make any difference. That's so far from the truth, it is ridiculous to even breathe out of your mouth. You see, how can we show Christ to someone when we're not living a life that is reflective of his character? So many have taken the Christian freedom and abused it by saying, because of the grace of God, I am not bound by the law. I can do what I want to do, and it's okay because I'm saved by grace, and grace means that God overlooks my sinfulness. Boy, I don't know what Bible that's coming from. I don't know what church that's coming from. But I know that whatever pastors are preaching that filth to our people, it's going to be tough when they stand before an almighty God because it's not true. Make no mistake about it. Satan's behind this kind of thinking. He's behind it. Because if if Satan can manipulate any truth that comes from the word of God and turn your mind to make you think, that you can just live any way that you want to and you're still under the umbrella of grace, then He'll do it. He'll cause you to think that you can live any way that you want to and everything's just going to be fine. Friends, I'm here to tell you that whenever you're saved, everything may not change instantly in your life, but there is a change that takes place in your life you can't be the person that you used to be because Jesus will not allow you to be the person that you used to be. Yeah, he'll take you right where you're at, but he loves you so much that he's not wanting to leave you, nor is he willing to leave you there. He's not going to do that. You see, friends, it's a thinking that says because we're not bound by the law, we have no restraints. And part of this point is right. We're no longer bound by the law, but it's not a ticket uh, to, to ride the crazy train. It's not just for you to go out there and act like a fool. You see, we have climbed out of the ditch on one side with this way of thinking. We've climbed out of the ditch of legalism because we say, I'm, I'm free from the, from, from the law and the rules and regulations, and, and we got up into the middle of the, of, the di- of the bridge just momentarily, but we just kept going until we fell right off the other side, and we're in the same place that we were before. You see, you want, you want to glory in the fact that you're free from the law. And whenever you glory in the fact that you're free from the law, you begin to indulge in whatever act brings you pleasure, regardless of the way that it reflects the character of the one that you claim sets you free in the first place. And you keep indulging in these things and indulging in these things, and it leads you right back to a place of slavery and bondage. And yet you're doing it in the good will and in the good word of freedom. And because I'm free, I can do what I want to do. And because you're doing what you want to do, you're right back into slavery. Do you get it? Guys, I don't know how to make it any clearer. But you cannot come out of legalism and just think that you can just indulge yourself. Look at verse 1 again. I'm probably not going to get off verse 1. For freedom. Jesus set you free. For freedom, he has set you free. Free from what? I'm Free from what? This freedom that Paul talks about, I want you to really listen to what I'm fixing to tell you. This is a freedom from yourself. Okay? That's the first part. Look at the verse again. He has given us freedom. It is for freedom. That He has set us free, okay? He has set us free from ourselves for Christ. If you don't get it, you're going to miss the whole thing. Christ has set us free from ourselves for Christ. Guys, this is my, my conviction wholeheartedly. You don't have to take it. You don't have to agree with it. But I believe that sin was the small part. It was the small part. All the things that we done, you know, the stupid acts that we performed, that was the small stuff. The big thing that Jesus has to save us from is I. We do what we do. We act the way that we act because we are selfish. And Jesus Christ came to save us from our selfishness. And when we are saved from our selfishness, we finally understand what freedom is. It's not freedom to indulge in everything that we want to. Yeah, you got freedom to act a complete fool if that's what you want to do. You can do whatever you want to do. You are free to be who you want to be. But if you do that, you are indulging in selfishness. We have a mixed-up concept of what heaven is all about. We think that we're saved so that we can go to heaven. It's not the Bible at all. The Bible didn't even exist. I mean, the the heavens, heaven was never even spoken about when God created everything. He didn't say, hey, live for me so you can go to heaven. He said, hey, Adam and Eve, I want you to be in right relationship with me so I can come here in the evenings and I can walk around with you and have fellowship with you. It wasn't about heaven. He wanted a relationship with his people. Do you see? And whenever we think that we're just going to get saved to go to heaven, you're missing the point. That's not why he wants to save you at all. He wants to save you so that he can have a relationship with you and so that you will finally see that he saved you to serve. That's why we don't like it. I ain't nobody's servant. And when you refuse to serve, you refuse freedom. There's freedom in being a servant of Jesus Christ. For him to come to you and to say, hey, I want to mold you and make you into who that I want you to be so that you can show your friend, show that you can represent me to your company, so that you can represent me to your country, so that you can represent me to your school, so that you can represent me and you place it wherever you want to place it. That's why he wants you. That's why he wants to save you. Not so you can go to heaven, but so that you can help change the world. Amen. Heaven's just gravy on the taters, friends. It's a bonus for us to be able to spend glory with Him, to save us from ourselves. I'm going to touch on three major points, because not because I'm picking on anybody before I ever get emails and letters, okay? And y'all think I'm just kidding when I say that. I literally get letters about things in the mail. Nobody ever tells me who they are. They just send them to me. And I read them, and some of them are really good. I take them to heart. I really do, honestly, and keep sending them because they help me. I I love when people don't agree with me. I'm fine with that because it challenges me, okay? But don't don't send me letters thinking I'm picking on you because I'm not. Three majors of why I'm going to talk to you about how that when you refuse this freedom and you think that you can indulge in all the things that you want to indulge in and still be wrapped under the grace umbrella that our new age world has configured up in the God of this age, how that it brings you right back into slavery. The Bible talks about three things that all sins are wrapped up in. The pride of life, the lust of the eye, and the lust of the flesh. Three majors that people always ask me about. They've always asked me, they say, Brother Joey, Is it okay for me to drink a beer? Brother Joey, why is it wrong to look at things, I'm not going to say it all explicitly, but why is it wrong to look at illicit things, movies and stuff? You know, God created them. Why can't we look at them? And then, why can't I just live with my partner? Those are the three majors that people talk to me about all the time. So buckle your seatbelt, and we're just going to dive off in it, okay? All right? Whenever we live under the grace umbrella, and, I, and I'm not—I'm not trying to use that word lightly. Okay, I believe in the grace of God, but I believe in the correct definition of the grace of God. There are people who are who are grace focused, and they are—they are so heavy on grace that they—that they live out there in la la land. And then you've got these people that are so mercy focused that they live out here in la la land, and they never—they never get get it right they never blend them all together and maybe I'm one of those people maybe so I hope not I hope that I'll help you but but I want you to I want you to really really think about this okay is it okay for me to drink a beer I'll never stand up and tell you that it's wrong for you to drink a glass of wine drink a beer I'll never stand up and tell you there's people that'll tell you that and the reason that I'm not going to tell you that is because it's not in the Bible I can't sit there and tell you. I'm not just like people have said, well, what is it okay for my white daughter to date a black guy or a black guy to date? I'm not going to tell you that it's wrong. You can say that it's wrong all day that you want to, but I can't tell you that because it's not there in the Bible. It's not there. You can be mad about it all that you want to, and you can, you can get glad in the same britches you got mad in. I, I, can't, I can't tell you that it's wrong, okay? And, if, and whoever, anybody that choose, any of you that choose that, that way of life, that's your choice. You've got to do it. If God thinks you're wrong, let him tell you that it's wrong. And if he tells you that it's wrong, change it. Until then, forget what everybody's telling you. All right? Because if you, if you really want to break it down, should none of you be married to anybody if, if you've got to be straight blood with straight blood because I'm mixed up so much. I, don't, I tried to look mine up. I can't even figure out where I'm from. You understand what I'm saying? So we can split hairs all that you want to. So should I drink or should I not drink? Well, God wants a people who reflect his image. How effective is your image reflection if you are so drunk that you can't hardly walk? Slobbering, drunk, whatever. Or you might be a functioning alcoholic, drunk, whatever you want to call it. And you can be drunk and you can drive and you can do everything like any other normal person. But yet, it affects the way that you reflect the image of God to other people. Now, how would it be if Jesus wants you to be a person to go up to someone else and represent Him before before the Almighty God, represent Him to someone who does not know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, and you are indulging in those things because you have freedom to do that. But you've abused it. And so now it's taking you to a place to where you can't function and you can't operate or, or you can't reflect the image of God. The Bible specifically says, don't be drunk, okay? So whenever you give in and you indulge, and I'm just using alcohol because it's one of the majors that people talk to me about. It can be your pills that even though the, the doctors prescribe to you, you know full well that you're abusing them. It can be the ding-dongs and the Twinkies that you're eating, and that's the reason your belly's hanging over your belt right now. It can be anything that you want to call it, okay? You can indulge in any of those things, but because I'm free to do it, I can indulge in those things, and I can be who I want to be. Yeah, maybe you can. You're free to do it, but is it really, really necessary? Is it really helpful? Is it helping your image of reflecting God? Do you get it? And the more that you indulge and give in to those things, you are ensnared by the trap of enslavement of lust of the flesh. What about watching illicit things? I literally had a guy ask me this. Brother Joey, God made women. I'm telling you what, man. That's exactly what he said. He said, I'm telling you, it's hard. It's just hard not to look. It's just hard. And so he locks himself away. And the majority of men, whenever I talk to you, and I've told all of you this before, Most of them, when they come to me talking about problems that they have in their marriages and stuff like that, porn is a number one factor. It's a number one factor. However, ladies, it is the fastest growing addiction in women in America today than any other addiction. All right? So guys, it's not all on you, all right? But I challenge you to turn loose of this. It will destroy your life. I'm talking to you because I know from experience, it will destroy you. It'll bring you to a place that you may not come back from, all right? It will seriously damage your marriage. It'll damage your relationship. But God created them, Brother Joy. It's just a natural thing. But the Bible tells us that we are to cleave to our husband and our wife. That says one. Just because they had, there was polygamy back in the Old Testament all that, that was not God's will. It wasn't His will. They did things, and, and it was God's grace being shown even back then. It wasn't all God's grace. I could go into all that, but guys, I'm here to tell you today that you can give yourself to that, and you can watch it, and you can do all of that that you want to, and it will take you so far. And before you know it, you will be enslaved to the drawing of this demon, evil, possessed thing. That will snatch your heart away, and you will be entrapped by the sin of the lust of the eye. And you will get to the place to where your partner will no longer satisfy. If you think I'm lying to you, keep going. And some of you guys know exactly what I'm talking about. You've either been there, or you are there, and you refuse to admit it. If your husband's hiding his phone from you, don't want you to look on it, got it locked up, more than likely, you're not the only woman in his life. I'm just being honest with you, okay? Oh, that's not adultery. No, oh, no, it's not adultery. Yes, it is. Jesus says that even if you think it is adultery, you don't have to. Line takes you further than it should be taking you. It is adultery. You don't have to like it. I didn't come here. I told you I didn't come here today to make you like it. I came here today to exalt Jesus Christ, and you need to know who Jesus is today. He wants to set you free. It's for freedom that Christ has set you free. He wants you to be free. He don't want you to be indulging in your selfishness. He wants you to be free so that you can live your life for Him. You understand me? Live your life for Him. Hey, you listen to me, women. I may not even get to point three. But whenever you're you're checking these guys out and they're wanting you, oh, He's a great guy. Flip through his Facebook page and look at the junk he's sharing on Facebook. If that crap out there that he's sharing on Facebook is not reflective of a godly image, you better change something. He ought to at least go out there and delete it before you're able to look at it. You understand? He's mind-blowing. Had a girl tell me one time, oh, Brother Joey, this, this guy's a godly guy. I got her on a home line, you know, sitting here talking, and I pop my phone out. I said, what's his name again? People are so crazy. It ain't like you can't find it. I can find him like this. I look him up on Facebook. Bam, there he is. Guess who's on the front cover of his page? A woman that is well-endowed and barely covered. Oh, but he's a godly man. He's reflecting the image of God right there. If God looks like that, You understand? I'm just telling you, I'm just being honest with you. Check it out. We have been created to reflect the image of God, to reflect Him. Number three, third thing, can I live with my, my, my partner, whatever? Yeah, you can. You're free to. Is it right? No, it's not right. And you can think that it is all day long because the world wants to tell you that it is right. The world wants to tell you that you should try the milk out for a little while before you buy the cow. And if then it, if it lasts for 50 years that way, then just leave it that way. But that's not the will of God. Friends, in the beginning, the Bible says that God created Adam and Eve. But the argument that I have heard so many times, and it, it's, it don't even make sense when you really think about it, but they say, but they never had a wedding. They didn't get married. And you know, whenever you look at their, their, you look at the articles that they're written in Genesis. You look at it. You're right. They they didn't have choir. They didn't have music playing. They didn't have all these things. That nobody dressed Eve up. She walked down the aisle naked. What a wedding, huh? Everything was different back there with them. But this is what Jesus, this is what God said to them. It says that the man will leave his mom and daddy and cleave to. But they, you're right. It doesn't say they had a wedding, but they were joined together, and these, I quote, are the words of God, and the two will become one. If that's the argument that you want, this is my question for you, and I'm not throwing daggers at any one of you, but if it hits you in the heart, it means that God's dealing with you, okay? If the two, according to the Scriptures, are to become one, why are you still living together with two names? Oh, but Brother Joey, the marriage law... That's man-made. Okay, you're right. Let's wait off in that. Jesus told his people in the New Testament, he said, they, they said, hey, Jesus, do you pay taxes, you and your guy? He said, hey, I'll tell you what. Go down to the river and find a fish, and you're going to pull him out, and he's going to have a coin in his mouth. Y'all remember the story? That, that's why I'm on Jesus' side. Anybody that can make money come out of a fish, man, we got to catch some of them. You know what I'm saying? Catch some of them. That's that's Jesus. He can make anything happen. And they pull this coin out, and he walks back to Jesus. He said, Jesus, was this what you were looking for? He said, Yeah, that's it. Let me see it. He said, Whose image is on that coin? Whose image was on it? Caesar. And he said, Give to Caesar what belongs to Caesar, but give to God what belongs to God. The image on the coin was Caesar. My question for you is. Whose image is on you? You with me? The only way that we are able to make our names to become one is if we go through the law that man has set for us. Jesus never said that he came to destroy any of the law, that he came to fulfill it. He didn't come to make you live by the letter and the tittle of the law. He came to fulfill it so that you would be free to live. And not to be in in slavery. Here's my question for you. Is that if it really doesn't matter, why are you convicted? If it really doesn't matter, why are you convicted? You see, guys, we can wade off in all this all that we want to. But the truth of the matter is this, on on your marriage deal or living together, your union will never be blessed the way that God can bless it unless you do it the way that God intended for it to be done. God created a man and a woman, and He brought them together for a purpose for them to be a union, to create a home to raise children. Amen? And whenever it is done in the way that God wants it to be done, it will be blessed. You with me? So you can look at it however you want to look at it, but it all comes down to whose image? Are you the entrapment? And the longer you live in this way, you are pulled further and further into the entrapment of slavery. Of the lust of pride, or the pride of life, and the lust of your flesh. That is really and truly what it all comes down to. As our musicians come forward, the scripture says this that it is because of freedom. It is for freedom that Christ has set you free. He set you free not for your selfish desires, not for any of those things. Flip over there, Randy, for my scripture there in John. I want you to look at this scripture. It says this. So if the Son sets you free, you can't hardly, can you see it? You will be free indeed. You'll be free indeed. Not part of the way, all the way. If He sets you free, you will be free. But you can choose to be the selfish if you would like. And you can the selfishness is going to drive you more and more craving the things of this world, indulging in those things so much that it draws you right back into, into slavery. Or you can choose to be free of it all and live for Jesus Christ and reflect His image into this world so that someone else can know who Jesus is. It's a challenge that you have to deal with now. I've already dealt with it. What God wants from us is for us to live our lives in the middle of the bridge, You can choose to fall off whichever side you want to. The bottom line is is that you're in the ditch either way you go. How about let's stay in the bridge? Let's stay in the middle of the bridge. Let's pray. Father, I love you, and I do thank you, God, for truth. I Thank you for the word. I know that it's not always easy. It's not always easy for me to share. And I know that it's not always easy for the people to listen to and to accept. But, Father, I remember the scripture that you shared with us. When you said that you didn't come to bring peace, you came to bring a sword. And a sword is sharp, it has a, a very sharp point on it, and it cuts soul. Cuts. The Bible tells us that it pierces to the depths of our soul. And Father, when your word pierces to the depths of our soul, it can make a change in our lives. And I'm asking you today, God, that it would change someone else's life today. You changed me you made a difference in my life and I'm praying today that you'd make a difference in someone else's life to help them see that if they keep going the way that they're going they will continue to indulge selfishness and eventually be wrapped up in slavery all over again but you want to set them free and you want to give them true freedom to be or not to be free that's the question do we choose to be or not to be Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I'll be here praying, guys. If any of you'd like to pray, I'd love to pray with you.